we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. I want to welcome everybody. Whether you're in sight this morning, uh, you're a first-timer, or you're a long-timer. Uh, whether you joined us online, you just discovered this little place, uh, we we're so humble. For whatever reason, you connected with us this morning, and you chose to worship with us. Um, I would like to just dive right into prayer this morning, and we're going to pray the prayer that I gave you last week. If you were here, if you have not, I ask you to download our app and find it next 45 days. God, use me today. Guide me throughout this day. Inspire my thoughts. Inspire our decisions. Inspire our initiatives, God. Lead our thinking. Lead our behaviors. Disconnect them both from all self-seeking, from anything that would discredit your name. God, we surrender this morning our agenda. We surrender all outcomes to your unlimited power. So God, use us somehow, even in this worship, to connect one more. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning by sharing with you a few little things. A little book called The All Better Book. It's a book about big problems that little kids were asked to solve. And these are children's suggestions to some of these big problems that we face in the world, uh, such as, here's a problem, uh, telling people that smoking is bad for them doesn't always work. What would you do to help them quit? Alexis, age eight, says, go to a smoker's house and pretend to smoke and then just die right in front of them. You know, <laughs> that'll get them to stop, okay? It's a pretty dramatic little kid. Um, uh, here, here, here's another one. Uh, you know, people work at jobs all day long that they just hate. Uh, what do you suggest? And uh, little Brian said, I suggest you double their pay and put in a tickling machine at their desk, and then uh, they'll be happy all day long. But here's the big problem I want us to address this morning. This is a great question. With billions of people in the world, Someone should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. What do you suggest? Well, people, oh, this is Kalina, age eight. People should find lonely people and ask them their name and address. Then ask people who aren't lonely their name and address. And when you have an even amount of each, assign lonely and not lonely people together in the newspaper. Yeah. That was a pretty sweet suggestion. Uh, here, here's Noah from Max H9. Make food that talks to you when you eat. For instance, it would say, how you doing? What happened to your day? What happened to you today? That's pretty clever. I bet there's an app for that. Somebody's going to create that probably. That will happen. Uh, here's one. Uh, we could get people a pet or a husband or a wife <laughs> and then take them places. I'm going to watch their theology of marriage. That would be interesting. Um, this, this one's really touched me. It said, um, tell them to sing a song, to stomp their feet, or read a book. That's what I do when I'm lonely and I feel like no one loves me. That's Brian, age eight. 
Dallas and I have been watching uh, the show on Netflix called The Crown. I imagine some of you have watched it as well. And we find ourselves very captivated and kind of made my mind kind of in tune with what's going on in Great Britain and England. And I shared this with you before, that this epidemic of loneliness has gotten so extreme in Great Britain, they have opened up a cabinet position for the prime minister that's called the Minister of Loneliness. In Japan, people dying alone, especially the elderly, is such an epidemic, they've come up with a name for it. They call it Kodakushi. And that's because a 70-year-old gentleman died in his apartment and someone did not find him until three years later. He made his payment on his rent, just a draft from his bank, ran out of money. They went to check on him. Three years later, they found him. Right here in America, one of our former Surgeon Generals wrote an article right before the pandemic for the Harvard Business Review called The Work Ethic and Loneliness Epidemic in the United States of America. And he talked about that since the 1980s, loneliness in the United States has more than doubled. It's up to 40%. And we really believe it's higher now since the pandemic because most people will not even admit. It's like a weakness to say, I'm lonely. And what you need to know is that people are moving to the Metroplex, the DFW area in droves. And they're not moving here because of relationships. They're not moving here because of, in fact, people are leaving family and friends and moving to here. And they're moving here because of opportunity. Jobs, money, and education. And they're lonely. Many. In fact, this Surgeon General puts it this way. He compares this how bad loneliness is. He said, loneliness is worse for your health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It crushes the soul. With billions of people in the world, couldn't somebody create a system so nobody is lonely? Somebody did. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Hey, they're not going to know you're my disciples because you come to church. They're not going to know you're my disciples by how you argue your politics. Or by your biblical doctrine. They're going to know you're my disciples just by how you love. Dallas Willard puts it this way. I love a lot of his writing. He says, God's aim in human history is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons with himself included as its primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. You would think with all the billions of people in the world, somebody would come up with a system where nobody would feel or be lonely, and somebody did. And it's called the church. Sometimes people think of the church as just a place to go to. 
It's a service that you attend. But God had something so much bigger, so much larger in mind. What he had in mind was a family. A spiritual family, just a family. Don't raise your hand. Rhetorical question. You're going to know why after I ask it. How many of you are disappointed in your biological family? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) We got this on camera. They're going to see it. God never intended for your biological family to be your ultimate family. God is creating a bigger, a healthy, a real, a spiritual family, and he calls it the church. And that's what this thing called church is about. Jesus one time was asked about, he said, hey, listen, your mother, uh, your brothers, your, your family, they're, they're looking for you over here in Mark chapter 3. Then he looked at those that were seated in a little circle around him, so important, seated in a little circle around him. And he said, hey, here are my mothers and my brothers. Whoever does the will, that is God's will, is my brother and my sister and my mother. They are my family. And you need to understand, in that culture, in that ancient world, in that tribal society, these words were almost blasphemous. Jesus says, I'm building my church. My church. And it's really all about a family. Jesus died for it, to create it. God just aches, aches for you and me to love each other and treat each other like a real healthy family. That's what we are. That's who we're called to be. Now, for the next few minutes we have in this message, I want to talk to you about a little word called belonging, about what it means to belong to a family. During the first three weeks of this message series, if you just kind of join us, we encourage you to come back and catch up on those three, kind of go online and catch up. But we talked about what we want people to experience when they experience us, people that are on the outside. And I'm not even sure if they believe in God, don't like church, know what we, who we are, what they really experience. But for the next four weeks, I want to talk about what it means to belong or to really be a part of God's family. So one more about truly, get, really get connected to the family. Now, in the Bible, there's these little phrases that they use frequently. Uh, it's called one another. It's 59 times. Over 59 times in the New Testament, so it's pretty important. You see this little phrase, one another or each other. It's like God is creating a family that's kind of focused on what it's like to be with one another. And I'll give you a few examples of some different phrases using this. It says, be at peace with one another. It says, honor one another. Wash one another's feet. Submit to one another. Admonish one another. Speak truth to one another. Be devoted to one another. In the Bible, we see God, Jesus, creating this little community that's like a family where everyone was connected and concerned and interested about one another. Totally different concept. Some people think of church. 
You know, sometimes people will point to a church, they'll point to a building, and they will say, that's my church. Nobody ever points to a building and says, that's my family. You might point to your house and say, that's where my family lives. Your family is not a building. My family is not a building. My family is people. Jesus, in the Bible, he never once said, go to church. He says, come follow me and be a part of my family. And every church has to figure this out. How does a church figure out to where it really feels like there's a sense of relationships and where you feel like you're a family and you feel like you can grow? Because I'm telling you, God does not want you to just come to any church and just sit and not, and not grow. And we've learned, okay, we have learned very clearly that when you're one-on-one time in the Bible, 10 to 15 minutes every morning, it is critical to your spiritual development and growth. You're not going to grow unless you're in the Bible, but you are not going to be Christ-centered. You're never going to grow. None of us will be Christ-centered unless we're engaged in relationships with other like-minded people, like in our family, who helps us grow one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, connected to one another. Now, around here, this is what we figured out for us. We figured out for Pathway Church what works the best as part of who we are is to somehow be connected to something that we call around here small groups. And I want to encourage you, if you're someone here this morning, you're watching online, we have an online community, and you're not in a small group, that you might want to start just taking another step to really grow, to become Christ-centered, because your goal is not just to be here. The goal of a Christian is to be centered in Jesus. I mean, my whole life centered in Him. And that happens in small groups. I promise you that really happens. So maybe you want to go go to the Welcome Center. Just stop at the Welcome Center and say, hey, listen, I think I'd like to check it out. I think I'd like to be a part of one. I want to test it. I want to start one. Just something. And they will help you. We'll help you do it. And if somebody doesn't respond to you, if you go to the Welcome Center and you ask them to help you or you chat online and you say you want to do something okay, uh, down there at True Worth, and, and you don't get an answer from somebody, this is how seriously I take this. You call the church and ask for me or you email me and I will personally make sure somebody can contacts you. This is how important this is. I'm making a commitment to you to help make that happen. If somehow the system fails, I will do something about it. Now, if you're already in a small group, I want to challenge you this morning to raise your game. I'm going to go over this morning five one another's that are in the Bible that we can practice some in big church. Now, this morning, I'm going to ask you also to think about how can I practice these five things in big church before we leave today. But where they really, really happen well is in this little thing called a small group, whatever kind of small group you're a part of, whether it's a serving small group, it's a sit-down Bible study small group, it's a friendship small group, to practice these principles, okay? So I'm going to give you five. just going to look at five of them this morning. And the first one's over in the book. I'll read the scripture first, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Verse 2. Here we go. It says, carry each other or carry one another's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So the first thing a family does, a spiritual family that God has created, we carry one another's burdens. That's what we do. 
That's what it means to be in a family. You carry each other's burdens. In fact, it says that when you do that, it says, you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? It's the new commandment. What did he say? Just love one another. You want to fulfill the law of Christ? It says you love one another. You do it by carrying one another's burdens. Now, now church, this is what this is. This is taking us to a deeper place here. This little scripture. You think it's so shallow. It's really, it's really deep. It's taking us to a deeper level of spiritual burdens. Physical burdens are real. Spiritual burdens are real too. I promise you, there are people sitting around you right now, online watching you in worship, online from all different places in the world, watching together in worship. I promise you that are carrying around the burden of their existence, and it's heavy. Just the burden of existing. I read about a woman that she called her friend. She'd heard that she was kind of having a hard time. Called a friend. Hey, how you doing? I'm terrible. Well, what's wrong? Well, I got this splitting headache. My back and my legs ache. The house is a mess, and the kids are just terrible, driving me crazy. Hey, go lay down right now. I'm coming over. I mean, just go lay down. I'm coming over. I'm going to take care of lunch. I'm going to take care of the kids. I'm going to clean up the house. You just rest as much as you can. Oh, by the way, how's Sam? Sam? Who's Sam? You know Sam, your husband. Uh, Sam's not my husband. Oh, no. I guess I got the wrong number. Long pause. Does that mean you're not coming over? <laughs> Church, there's, there's a whole lot that's changed in our world. Can I tell you stuff that hasn't changed? Let me tell you something that's, that will never change. That's the burden of parenting. That's the burden of addiction. That's the burden of depression. It's the burden of loneliness. It's the burden of finding out something bad about your health. Those things will never, ever go away. We live in the most prosperous cities or metroplex areas in the United States of America. People move here for jobs, for education and prosperity. But guess what? Nobody's coming over. That's the one thing that's changed. Nobody's coming over. And you're thinking, well, listen, Pastor, my life's pretty full. I don't have time to carry everybody else's spiritual burdens. You want me to get a group of people and start carrying all their burdens? That's not what the Bible says. In fact, when you read Galatians chapter 6, a little further down to verse 5, it says, each one should carry their own load. Interesting. But the word, it sounds like Paul's contradicting himself, but the Greek word for road and the Greek word for burden are totally different. For the Greek word for load is more like a backpack. Everyone should carry their own backpack. Hey, you can carry your own backpack. You should carry your own backpack. Pick it up. Carry it. Don't expect everyone to do everything for you, right? Just carry your own backpack, would you? But that word for burden... It's something heavier like a boulder. You can't carry a boulder by yourself. You can't carry a burden that's so heavy by yourself. And I promise you, 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 everywhere around you sitting right now, 
there are people around you who are carrying a burden. They're carrying a secret. They don't want anybody else to know. They're carrying guilt. They're carrying shame. They're carrying depression. Something's going on with their kids. Something's going on with their marriage. Something's going on in the sex life of their family. Something's going on in their health. They got a shocking prognosis, a horrible, horrible prognosis. And they're... Here's what I know. When you do what the Bible says, just love one another. Just love one another. And they trust that you love them. And they trust that you care. And they share with you. They just tell you their burden. I mean, they just tell you. All they got to do is just say it out loud. If they say it out loud, all of a sudden, their load gets lighter. And you're carrying a little bit more. But you can carry a little bit more. You can because you love them. Put the Bible because you love. That's what you do when you love someone. You carry their burden. Every parent, every parent who can hear my voice, every grandparent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you know, you know. If you know your kids, if you know your grandkids are carrying a burden, you can look at them. You can tell they're carrying it. And if they know that you love them, if they know that you trust them, they will tell you. And just by the fact they tell you, their load gets lighter and your load gets heavier, but you don't care because you want to carry the burden for family. Church, I'm just asking you. Put yourself in a spot where you can carry somebody else's burden. You don't have to have a degree. No training required. No vacational seminar needed. No Zoom call. Just listen and care enough. Carry one of the burdens. Here's the second one. Uh, to understand this one, we're going to go to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15, verse 7. I'll try to pick it up here just a little bit. Romans 15, verse 7. You want to follow along? We'll over, over there get to that one. Uh, and it says to, let's uh, accept one another. Yeah, it says accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Just accept one another. Uh, so that's it. We, we accept one another. We, we love one another. Why? Because Christ loved us and we accept one another. Why, why do we accept one another? Because Jesus accepted us. How did Jesus accept you? Just the way you are. Not because you changed, not because you got, because Jesus accepts you just the way you are. And because he accepted you and me just the way we are, we are called to accept each other just the way they are. And I promise you this, God has placed in the heart of every human being the need to be accepted. Just the way you are. Not to change so then you're accepted. But this need to be celebrated, to be honored, to be prized just because you are you. Hey, I got a little announcement to make. Some of you might be knowing about this, but our youngest, James, James and Corinne, who live in Tennessee, they're getting ready to give birth to our third grandchild. I'm so excited to announce that. Here's James and Corinne. He's celebrating. You can say victory. 
you know, we're going to have a baby. And we're kind of saying the same thing. And the cool thing about this, James and Corinne, they live in Tennessee. When they got married, he promised her, uh, when we started having kids, we're coming home. So they're coming home. And home is Burleson because her mother lives in Burleson. And not only that, because he's going looking for a job in the Metroplex area. He's going to relocate here and can't find a house until they find the job and get here. They're going to live on the second floor of our house until they find the house. That means Dallas and I are going to have a little baby in our house every single day for a while. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I mean, we're just going to get to hold that little kid and pick that little kid up and all that sort of thing. I mean, it's just going to be incredible. Hey, anybody ever held a sleeping baby? Wouldn't you agree with me that holding a sleeping baby is like honey for the soul? It's therapy. It doesn't even cost you anything. You just rock a baby. You feel better when you hold a sleeping baby. Hey, in case some of you need some therapy, you can go into our nursery. We need some help just holding back. We won't, we won't even charge you. You can do it for free, okay? And I promise you, you'll feel better after you hold and rock some of those little bitty babies. But we get to do that in our house, and then when they start crying and wake up, we'll just get them back to mom and dad and say, we're going to sleep. Y'all go ahead. It's going to be awesome. Now, this is really a strange thing. Every other meaningful relationship I've had in my life, it seems like, whether there's attachment or affection, it's because of time of shared common experiences or common life moments. But in this case right here, I've not even met this kid. It's still in the womb. Not ever done anything for me yet. And yet I'm already crazy about this kid. I'm not even seeing it. I mean, I just, I've, it's just amazing. In fact, there's a doctor of, uh, of humanity. This, this, sorry, he has this idea about family, definition of family. I love Dr. Yuri Braun. Family is a group of people which possesses and implements, say that word with me, and what? Irrational commitment to the well-being of others. It is totally irrational that this little kid is just in the womb, and I would do anything to fight for its survival. I would do anything to make sure it is healthy. I would do anything, anything. I am irrationally committed to it, to accept it into the family. I just, just in case you all have not met, you know, we, do, we do have a second grandson, our second grandchild, so grandson, just kind of en enjoy him, because I'm going to do it. Back about 10 seconds. <laughs> hey, y'all just do what you want. I just want to watch this a little bit longer. Just kidding. Hey, it is something. You just sit there and stare. I just, like, there's something about a little baby. You go, oh, it just so sounds like that. You no, know, I sent that little, that's Ryder, our grandson. I, I sent that image to Dallas after they sent it to me. And she was looking at it, and she just started crying. It's kind of weird. She got so tender and everything like that. And I thought, well, you know, when I do my yoga, I kind of make noises like that. And I stick my, and you don't do that for me and whatever. And I thought, I, I got to work on my game here a little bit. But there's just something about a baby. And you automatically accept it. And we coo and we wonder. And God's creating this thing sort of the, called the church for you and I have, have an irrational commitment to ooh and awe and wonder over big human beings who burp and smell and do other sorts of things and make mistakes and all that sort of thing simply because they're a child of God. They're a baby in a big person's body. That's all it is. And to accept them irrationally. But we don't do that very well. 
We dare people to accept us, and we dare people to let us accept them. And I'm just saying, folks, that's what God has created here in this little church. That's what God wants for people. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And everybody has a need to be accepted. Dallas and I have been in the same small group for 10 years. I've told them things in that small group. I would never tell you out here in a big church. It just didn't feel right to say it, big church. My worst failures as a parent, as a husband, as a dad, and as a pastor. And guess what? They've never guilted me. They've never shamed me. They just keep on accepting me as I am. And they don't try to change me either. Here's the third thing. In your notes, confess your sins to one another. Confess or just confess to one another. I'll read this from over from James in 5.16, a powerful little verse. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is a powerful combination. When there's confession and then you pray, there's healing that happens. But here's what most of us do. We hide. We hide those places in our life that we're embarrassed and ashamed about. We don't confess them. We don't tell anybody. I think it's interesting that when Jesus comes along with somebody, Jesus has a way of touching something that somebody's hiding. Zacchaeus was hiding that he was a greedy tax collector, and Jesus touched it. The woman at the well was hiding that she'd been married five times, and she was shacked up with a dude that wasn't her husband. The woman caught in adultery... Jesus knew before they stoned her why they wanted to stone her. He knew. He knew Thomas would doubt. He knew Peter would deny him. And he touched it. He didn't run away from it. He said, hey, let's have a conversation. It's interesting. They would say, Jesus, now that you know this about me, are you not coming over? He said, oh, no, I'm coming over. And we're going to have a relationship. It's interesting that when Jesus found out something about people, he didn't run away. He ran closer. And what you and I want to do, we want to hide nobody to know because we're afraid if you know, you won't love me. And the quite opposite is true. There's no power in your life if you keep on hiding. And it's until you're fully known, you can't be fully loved. That's why I love the 12-step thing. You hear, I talk about this so much. Did you know in the 12-step program there's really a 13-step? They don't like people to do it because here's what happens. When somebody comes to a 12-step power program, it's so powerful. They say, here I am. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. And they go, hey, hi, hi, you. And hey, just love them the way they are. Often romantic feelings erupt because when you're so known and vulnerable and somebody still loves you, romantic attraction happens. So they say. You can't date anybody for 12 months in a 12-step in a program if you come clean because we want you to make a rational decision and not just because you're having all this power. There's so much power, power. It stirs up stuff. So I've been thinking around here. Once people come here and uh, you get known, we're going to say no dating somebody for a whole year, okay? You got to stop dating. I didn't think that would fly here. I, just, I, I knew I would get a, a protest of people walking out here. But here's the concept. In the church, something happens when people all of a sudden become church people. They become the church of the great pretenders. You wake up in the morning, you're married, 
single, whatever, and you don't feel good. You and your, fight, your spouse have a fight. I don't want to go to church. I want to stay home. I want to watch the game. I want to see the pregame. I want to see all the college stuff. I don't want to go. I don't, oh, you're going. The kids are, yep, yep, yep. You're going to get in the car. The kids, the kids, the teenagers, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to that church. Blah, 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 blah. And then you get in the car, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get out of the car. They say, how y'all doing today? Oh, we're great. <laughs> Marriage is great. Family's great. Job's great. Dog's great. Liar. <laughs> Can we just stop pretending that we're great when we're not great? Can we just come to church and be honest? At least say, at least, at least say, at least say you know what? I've had a rough week. At least say, you know what? I didn't do so hot this week. I got a lot to learn. At least, at least tell the truth somehow. Because the scripture says you confess your sin and you pray. Hey, listen, church, we are the church of the seedy, sinful, lost, and that's why Jesus came to save real, honest, broken people. Let's just be real, could we? And see what Jesus does. Here's the first, fourth one is that we're going to serve one another, serve one another. Over in Galatians 5, 13, it says, serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. And I will tell you, this is one of the most powerful things in the church. Mickey Mouse puts it this way. Could you put this up there, Mickey Mouse, what Mickey Mouse said? Just put that up there. He said, if you cannot serve, you cannot be a part of the magic kingdom. And I would say, if you cannot serve, you're really not a part of the kingdom of God. That's the heart. If somebody was to ask me, what's the secret of Pathway Church? I would not say anything about this new building that's about, about to enter into. I would not say the music. I would not say the teaching. I would not say the programs. I would say it's a servant family, a family of servants who just humbly serve one another. That's the power of the church. Can I help you? Can I walk you to the information system? Hey, yeah, the bathrooms are over there. Can I help you find a seat? Yeah, could I help you get your kids there? Could I, could, could, could I help you? Could I serve you? Could I pray for you? Could I encourage you? Could I? I mean, there's power when you just say that, can I, and you do that for somebody. It's amazing. Just try it and see what happens. It's amazing. Humbly in love. Yesterday morning, we had a uh, breakfast here for some of our servants who served to get ready for breakfast, and they had a little training. They came up here and spent all Saturday morning having breakfast, touring the new space, training, getting ready for we move into this new space just simply because they want to serve you. And again, I would ask you, please find some place in your church where you're serving. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. Is that is affectionately greet one another. I could do so many of these. But we're gonna, here's the last one. And it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. That's 2 Corinthians 13. Greet one another, holy kiss. And here's the idea. The idea is that you affectionately greet someone, not just go, hey. You know, you walk out of worship and you go, guys are great at that. Just, yeah. To somehow have a connection with them that is culturally appropriate where they feel like you connected and they feel affectionately greeted. Okay? I will tell you sometimes the most powerful things that happens around here on Sundays is not what happens in worship. 
It's the greeting before or the greeting after that brings healing to someone's soul because someone affectionately greets them. I just want you to see this short little video here about our small groups, and uh, maybe this will encourage some of you to think about it. Pop this on. We were definitely one of those couples that came to church on Sunday, and we're like, okay, we came to church on Sunday, let's check that box. And so we wanted more, and Rick kept talking about, you know, getting invested in a small group, find your people. And so we were like, we don't have our people. We come on Sunday, we check that box, we go yep. home, we live our work week, and then we do the same thing over and over. And so we started praying about it, and we were like, okay, we want to get invested in a small group, but we were like, what do we do? Well, our in-laws, they have been invested in a small group for 12 years now, yep. the same small group. And so we kind of looked up to their small group, but they had you know where their age group was we didn't really fit in you know so they were they had an older age group and so we were like okay maybe we can start one of our own and so we were just praying about it we were like okay god where do you want to lead us do you want us to join one do you want us to start one and then all of a sudden we started talking and we started feeling led to start our own small group and we started three with families three families to start to start with and now we're up to probably seven maybe eight families. seven or eight families it's it's a place of opening up with your friends who you trust and really feeling the love and you know we've had dinner parties together we've had get-togethers outside of you know the actual small groups and stuff and it is a little community we've gone through hardships and we've gone through good times and bad times and you know just being able to rely on each other you know during those times is I think what it's all about so we have so many kids between all of us like when we think about it we're like I think everybody okay so there's two probably 10 11 12 yeah kids there, total. yeah there's like 12 kids total I think between all of the families yeah it, it's a lot we have a lot of kids um, but they're able to come to kid care which is so awesome because that was a big thing is we were thinking we were like oh my gosh we're young we have all the kids right how are we gonna do a small group how are we gonna go to somebody's house and how are we going to make our time worthwhile while all these children just run around yeah. and I was like that's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen so we were able to use the kid care that pathway has given and which is Oh, yes, blessing. <laughs> yes. And so we're able to meet as groups and we're able to have that adult time. Well, it allows us as adults as well to kind of give that time just for ourselves to really kind of get in that moment of worship and, you know, being each other's presence. So. You know, you think when you're going through things that you're alone and you're like, I'm going through this. It's me, 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 until you realize, oh my gosh they're going through it too, or they've gone through it, and then they can help you through what you're going through. Um, and it makes you feel, you know, that you have people in your corner and that you're not alone. Um, so that has been a big part yeah. as well. All of our small group people, we're all broken. And we come together and we it's raw, it's real. We're able to be ourselves with each other. We're able to... <laughs> Here we go. We're able to be ourselves with each other. We're able to be honest. We're able to be open. Um, we know that there's no judgment and it doesn't, I know with our small group, I don't feel alone. And so they've been there, whether it be anxiety, depression, um, jobs, losing jobs, gaining jobs, different life events. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say she's gonna snuggle up with me. Um, they're there and it's raw and it's real. And so I think that's just our biggest thing is that we feel, I don't know, we feel... We feel welcome. We feel welcome. I would encourage anybody who is considering it, give it a try. Do it. Reach out to Do the it. church, get connected with somebody, come join them. If you like it, 
absolutely keep on coming back. But if if not, then that's fine. You know, maybe there's other areas that the church is calling you for. It can get you connected with. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're sitting back there, just know there's a place for you and there's a home for you. Yeah. I want to reiterate, there's a place here. Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. You can do that. There's a place here for you. This is your family. And I just want to encourage you, if you think maybe this might be the day, you should kind of just go to the Welcome Center and say, you know, I think I want to check out this small group thing. I want to start one. I got some friends. I want to be a part of one. And somebody will help you. Because, you see, with billions of people in the world, Somebody should come up with a system where nobody would feel lonely. And somebody did. And his name was Jesus. And the place is the church. And the cost was a cross. And the secret is just loving each other. I want to pray with you. As we leave here, and I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm not going to force you. I want you to have freedom. I want to make you a promise there's somebody sitting around you right now who's carrying a burden. And if you feel so inclined, you feel comfortable, or you feel led by the Spirit, if you need to get up, you can. If you need to reach across, you can. But just kind of let them know they're not alone. If it's a very familiar person, if you can feel comfortable putting your hand upon their hand, and it's a COVID-appropriate thing to do, you can do that. You can put your hand upon their shoulder. Just with your body somehow, with your presence, let them know they're not alone. If you're online, just kind of let somebody know. True worth in the sanctuary, get a little closer. Because I promise you, right now, this very moment, there's somebody that's carrying a burden and it's heavy. If this is you, I want you to hear this. You're not alone. You don't have to carry that shame alone, that guilt alone, that embarrassment alone, the pressure alone, the hurt alone. This is your family. So God, I pray you would do something now that only you can do. I, I pray you'd pour out your grace and you would make this large group of people scattered a close-knit family where we just accept one another the way they are. We greet each other affectionately, God. most of all, God, this morning where we help each other carry burdens. So God, it's my prayer this morning that you would do something only you can do, that, that you would make a way that nobody leaves here this morning alone. Nobody leaves here carrying a burden alone. That no one, absolutely no one feels weighted down because they can't carry what they're carrying. Use us to connect one more to your loving power.
Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.